All right, y'all. Uh, hour three here on the Friday, June 3rd, 2022 edition here on the Chase Owens Podcast coming up in just one second. Uh, stats by Will, Mr. Will Warren and fellow Knoxvillian and UT alum. Uh, drops by the program as he does every day at this time to talk all things college basketball. Will and I talk about uh, the rich getting richer with Gonzaga and big time transfer and then Drew Timmy coming back. We talk about uh, Houston getting Sasser back. We talk about uh, Iowa State's uh, extension for TJ Otsum. Uh, wow. Otzelberger. Um, it's a tough one to say. Um, and very well uh, well deserved after that Sweet 16 run that nobody nobody saw coming. Um, losing a key piece to Texas in the portal, but I think they'll be they'll be fine. And still just an amazing amazing job there. Arkansas, they're still a top five team after losing Jalen Williams. And then uh, our season in review, uh, our countdown for Ken Palm top 25 rankings from a season ago keeps going. Uh, this time with LSU and uh, what happened this past season and where they're going with Coach McMahon moving on from Will Wade and just the craziness of the Kim Palm offensive and defensive uh, discrepancies in the Will Wade era in Baton Rouge. So all that and more coming up with Will in just one second. Uh, Don't forget, folks, you can watch this very program on YouTube. Uh, Please do like and subscribe our videos on uh, youtube.com. Type in the Chase Owens Podcast. You'll find them there. Uh, tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer uh, check out the homepage at chase thomas read me uh, and all my sports writing uh, writing a lot over at sports renaissance it would be great if you become a subscriber there just type in your email it's really quick really painless uh, go ahead and take care of that today at sports renaissance uh, i think that is everything and uh hour three Coming up in just one second here on the Chase Notes Podcast. If you missed uh, any of the previous hours uh, on today's show, uh, you, they're all right here in this feed right before this one. So you can go back and check those out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. So make sure you're subscribed so you can get access to all of the episodes. So without further ado, Uncle Darren, you know what it's time for. Let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this late on a Thursday afternoon. Stats by Will. Will Warren is here in his Remedy T-shirt. He's signed up for a full marathon. I saw this week. The man is just. He's moving all the time. Coffee and running. That's what this man does. How's it going, sir? It's going well. Uh, many people forget you need to chug three cups of coffee before every run. Uh, Do you? No. Okay. I I very rarely drink coffee before I run. Uh, Interesting. I, Why I've is actually that? read that it's you know perfectly fine to do so. It's you know it's just like any other thing. Like you know it's fine to have bananas before. It's fine to have like a you know light amount of peanut butter or something. Mm-hmm. But I've always had the fear of like if I drink coffee, I'm gonna be stranded out there without a porta potty. Oh, and I thought you were going to go like heart rate was going to be too high. Heart rate, I think, would be okay. Mm. But I, the porta potty uh, quandary is big <laughs> on the Knoxville Greenway. So we don't have many because I can't remember which yeah. city it was I was in. Um, that's not really the point. But they had like porta potties every four to five miles on the Greenway. And I was like, there could be more of these, but that's nice. I've never seen one on a Knoxville Greenway. Is there not one over there on, uh, what is the Greenway? On the way to Shumpert. It's a cool little run park. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's over there. It's in Fountain City, but 
It's uh, what greenway is that called? It's kind it's of not secluded. Searchy Hills, is it? Mm, I don't remember off the top of my head. Like, it's not very. You can't really tell uh, that it's a greenway. It, you'll drive right by it, and not even realize what you're driving by. Um, but I can't remember off the top of my head. It's right past the cemetery. Pretty big one. Um, can't remember. But uh, for all the non-local uh, Knoxvilleans, they're just like, "What in the world is Will yeah. and Chase talking about?" But um that's wild man you're doing that uh i'm someone who uh will always refuse a porter potty i will uh not do so can't do it i just can't i can't get there mentally i uh (laughs) i'm not above it frankly yeah well when you're in a desperate scenario you need anything and everything no here's what you do you suck it up literally because um (laughs) well i've tried (laughs) i did a uh i kid you not um so i'm an eagle scout not to brag well but um humble brag yeah uh and i remember there's camp rainy mountain in georgia that i uh would go to every summer and get my merit badges and all that kind of stuff and it's up there in the north georgia mountains middle of nowhere and uh i remember um the latrine situation was quite dire and i uh i was not about it and i remember being 13 years old and just uh I think I wrote to my parents or I talked to them or something. Cause this is like pre cell phone, um, the pre cell phone era. Cause you and I were a little bit on the older side yeah. and, uh, I being 13, this is God, 18 years ago. Um, that's insane to think about. But, uh, I remember just being like, this is not happening. I don't care. And I was being careful with how much I was eating throughout the week. Cause I was like, I'm going to make it through the week without going. Like I, I can't go here. I went seven full days without ever going because I was like, I can't do it. And my parents were like, what? That's insane. Yeah. Did the whole seven. I bet the first trip back to the bathroom once you got home was, uh, I mean, it was was quite the experience. (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, it was, uh, one shining moment, if you will, uh, Will Warren, because that's how we're going (laughs) to, you were feeling like I did after I went to endless shrimp at at Outback eight or nine years ago. Endless shrimp night at Outback. Okay. I like yeah, it. You could, uh, they'd bring them out in plate. This is a really sad story. Yeah. They'd bring Uh-oh. them out in uh, plates of eight, and they're mm-hmm. not good. Obviously, it's Outback shrimp. You're not really like expecting much here. Yeah. But uh, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I did 104. And wow. the next day, I had like classes, and then I came home and I just like sat <laughs> in the bathroom <laughs> for like an hour and a half. Like, nothing really amazing? happened. I was just like in pain. Isn't it amazing, like, when we think back, what we could put our bodies through in our 20s and late teens, and now you're just like, I think that would have actually killed me at 31. Like, that would actually kill me. I can't do that. I would have, I would have gone to the hospital, probably. Right? Like, it, we're just, we're cooked, man. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're cooked. Uh, Well, well, we have some college basketball ostensibly to talk about here. Uh, Drew Timmy is coming back to the Gonzaga Bulldogs next year. We assumed that was what was going to be the case but he really dragged this out and uh made uh gonzaga fans sweat a little bit and uh he's back so word what what does that mean for gonzaga uh in 2022 2023 i mean i think the quick effect here is kind of obvious i think gonzaga should frankly be the number one team in america entering the next season Hmm. Uh, he's going to be at very worst one of the three to five best players in the game uh, Gonzaga is going to have yet another well-rounded roster. And, you know, we've talked about process versus results over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. 
Gonzaga being number one or number two, again, I think it's going to be either them or North Carolina for what it's worth, assuming everything kind of progresses the way it looks like it's going to progress. Mm. Um, and people are going to be mad when they see Gonzaga one or two again because, oh, Gonzaga hasn't won the title and North Carolina just got done going to the title game. It, that doesn't matter. Gonzaga's mm. going to have a really good roster again. One of these years, Like I think they're just going to break through. If you... If you have one of the three best teams over and over and over, eventually you're going to crack the nut and you'll find your way in. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, that's at least my philosophy on it is I don't think there's any real secret sauce to, you know, being superior in March uh, versus being superior in November through February. It's not like you get to March 17 and you tell your players, all right, now you can really let loose. And then they're like, but what about when we beat UCLA on November 19th? So, I don't know. But, I, I mean, yeah, I think Timmy coming back is huge. I think he's going to be an instant player of the year contender. Uh, Gonzaga is going to be great. And, you know, I think I, – I am i don't know much about their non-conference schedule yet, but I really want to see them – you know, I know every year they get some really good games in, but it would be cool to see them play North Carolina. I honestly don't know if that's scheduled or not, hmm. but that would be quite ideal. If they were to get scheduled – what is the matchup you're most interested in based on what we know about those two teams right now? Well, it's a uh, Timmy versus Baycott, right? Or yeah. whoever Gonzaga's going to roll out at center. I think, you know, there's some interesting backcourt material there with Love and Davis, but mm-hmm. uh, Timmy being the best player on the team and then Baycott being just such a force of nature uh, down the stretch last season, it's going to be really intriguing. And Gonzaga, I mean, I don't know that they're as surefire number one as they appeared to be last year, Hmm. because I think the competition will be a little better. But um, I do believe that they are the best team. I think they've got some guys who are going to have to step up for intriguing roles, like Julian Strother is going to take on a big role this year, Razier Bolton, Nolan Hickman. Uh, I want to see some more from those guys. And Anton Watson is back for what feels like his 19th year of college basketball. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he's been at Gonzaga forever. It was jarring enough to me that Timmy was in his third season. Hmm. So I would have guessed longer than that. Yeah, way longer. I would have guessed fifth year senior. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to be really good again. And I, as usual, look forward to watching them play basketball because I think they play a very pleasing style of basketball. It's, you know, they play fast. They play loose. They're always very efficient offensively. And it's not just the three. They're almost uniquely dominant uh in the paint year over year Hmm. i'm curious to see how this looks if you had to look at their last three years though going into the year how would you rate those three in terms of best just like if everything goes right this should be the best team of those three how would you rate it one through three i think the the runner-up um the year before that well i guess still technically last year well, we're going, uh, yeah, so two seasons. Well, I guess that the Suggs year, two years, is technically, we're going to say for this argument's sake, two years ago. Yeah, because, I mean, I I know they lost to Baylor, but prior to that game, and I think even despite that game, they had a real argument as one of the greatest teams the sport had ever seen. They were mm-hmm. just a powerhouse the whole season. And, I mean, they ran into the second-best team on the night where the second-best team played one of its best games ever. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. Uh, I would rank them first. I think you got to go this past year's team second, even though they lost to Arkansas in the Sweet 16. That was a really great team, start to finish. And then 
I don't know. I think you could rank the Elite Eight team in 2019 ahead of the pandemic year, the 2019-2020, mm-hmm. by a hair. I think they're both really good. But the uh, 2018-19 team that ran into eventual runner-up Texas Tech and lost in the Elite Eight, they were quite excellent, you know, start to finish. But, I mean, you know, at least projected by Bart Torvik, this is going to be the best offense in college basketball. And if that holds, this will be four years out of the last five where they've been the best offense. That's hmm. an insane stretch to hold in a sport where you have to fully turn over the roster every four years, if not sooner. That's interesting. Um, he's not the only big name to come back. Uh, also, Mr. Sasser comes back to Houston. Houston, another team that we could see being a Final Four team next year. Uh, both schools reload. They get their guys back. Um, how big is Sasser coming back for Houston? I think it's massive. I mean, it was amazing enough to me that Houston, and, and I thought last year was kind of a down year for the quality of college mm-hmm. basketball, but regardless of that, Houston being number two in Ken Palm felt very legitimate even before the tournament. And the, I mean, they had as good a claim as anybody. And then coming out, playing really well, you know, sniping Arizona in the Sweet 16. And basically coming up a historically poor shooting day short of the final four. Mm. That was a great team. And that was without Sasser and without another starter. They had multiple starters out for over half the season. Uh, I mean, I I think they're at minimum one of the five best teams heading into next year with him back. I thought they were going to be at worst top 10 without him. But that's a really good roster top to bottom. A lot of talent in it. I'm, I'm... I want to see how he and Jamal Shedd coexist for a full mm. season because Shedd kind of took on a bigger role once Sasser, you know, quote unquote, departed for the season. Mm. So I, I want to see how they can coexist. And, and, you know, even before that, I think, you know, people will kind of look at Houston being in the city of Houston and say, well, it can't be that hard to recruit there. I mean, this is a team that made one NCAA tournament in what, 20 plus years prior mm. to Kelvin taking over. And, you know, it is relatively easy to recruit to Houston compared to other American conference schools, but he's doing an amazing job with guys who are not one and dones. Mm. I mean, the amount of four and five stars Houston's gotten is really small. He's done this with four year guys. And it's a really cool story to see year over year. You know, Houston kind of changes in and out some of the players. I mean, they didn't have every single player back from the Final Four team. But that same identity exists. They are just tough as nails to deal with on a nightly basis. And, yeah, you can get them on the wrong night uh, and they'll, you know, shoot poorly. And you wonder, how does this team win 28 games every year? And then you watch them play Arizona and you're like, how does this team lose any game? Because they're just so brutal to go up against. I mean... Uh, that's a team I'm really excited to see play uh, yet again. And, I mean, one of these years we got to get a Gonzaga-Houston game, right? Mm. The two, if you, I don't really consider the AAC a mid-major conference. I think they're too big to be a mid-major, but maybe too small to be a true high. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the high mid-major. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to see, like, the two best teams of that sort of non-Power 6 group play each other. That yeah. would just be such a fun game to see, you know, you know, play it in a neutral site, play it in Houston, play it wherever. I think that's a game everybody would Hawaii. play. Hawaii. Maui time. Sure. I'd be fine with that, too. Yeah. Kelvin Sampson might be one of the more underrated head coaches in college basketball. He doesn't feel like someone who gets enough credit for what he's built at Houston. It's just kind of accepted now. We yeah. moved past it. 
completely agree. I think he is, I mean, at minimum, one of the five best coaches working. Yeah. Um, speaking of underrated in terms of the head coaching market, so we talked about, I mean, Iowa State and what happened um, with their last head coach and uh, with Steve and just where they were, like they fell off a cliff and it just got so bad so quickly in Ames and it caught a lot of people by surprise because like if you read or talk to anybody, everyone liked him and we're just surprised that did not work um, in Ames and when it did not work, they did not win a conference game his last year, if I remember correctly. And then they change. They bring in TJ Oldsenberger, who just because college basketball, you just, you never know. We like to believe that we have a pretty good idea on a lot of this stuff. And then Iowa state who had no business even making the tournament this past year, they make the sweet 16 of all places. And it's just like one of those things where it's like, Man, I would kill to get out of round two. And Tennessee just winning the SEC basketball tournament. And then, of course, Iowa State just messes around and stumbles into the Sweet 16. But it's the third best turnaround in major college basketball history. And it was such a great story. He gets a $500,000 raise uh, this week and a contract extension. So he is now locked in as the Iowa State basketball coach for the foreseeable future. What do you make of what TJ was able to do uh, this past year in Ames and just uh, how big of a, a change this was? Well, on paper, I think, you know, the first look at that roster heading into last season, I feel like I remember this from our Big 12 preview, so that mm. was quite terrible. It was easily yeah. the worst in the Big 12. And honestly, offensively, that held. They were 171st in the <laughs> Ken Pump's offensive rankings, which is uh, when you, and please remember that these are like, schedule adjusted numbers so yeah. and they played the 11th hardest schedule uh and out of curiosity i have to look this up now so on raw so raw offensive efficiency not schedule adjusted they were the 282nd best offense out of 358 mm -hmm. so that held but the fact that they played so well defensively all year was what kept them afloat i mean top five defense top six in turnover rate and they they were atrocious offensively, but the thing was the defense was so good, it gave them a shot most nights. And that mm -hmm. was why they made the Sweet 16. They kind of made a bet relatively early on in both the LSU and Wisconsin games that the, you know, LSU, not a great shooting team. Wisconsin minus Johnny Davis, who was really kind of hurt in that game anyway, not mm -hmm. a great shooting team. They said, take as many threes as you want. We'll guard them pretty well, sure, but we're not going to let you get to the rim over and over and over. Right. And those two teams shot six for 41 from three. That pretty much told the whole story. And those were in two games that they won by five points each. It wasn't like Iowa State shot well. Mm. So, I mean, is that necessarily repeatable year over year? I don't think so. You got to get a lot better offensively to me. But mm. it's still an amazing accomplishment, and he fully deserves an extension. I mean, there were a few, you know, light eyebrow raisings over hiring him when it's you know it's three years at south dakota state two years at unlv south dakota state's got a pretty good standard of program success and unlv is the historic one and i don't feel like he had any time really to turn stuff around there so i don't really you know feel any type of way about his results there um but this you know i think was quite obviously far and away his most successful season at any stop so the it's amazing to get there in the first place the challenge is now can you repeat that or make it better? Do you think he will? 
when you look at this roster going into next year, do you think they will fall off a little bit? Do they feel like a tournament team again for you next year? I kind of feel like they're the exact same quality. I Mm -hmm. think the offense will be better and the defense is going to take a step back. Losing Tyrese Hunter is a brutal Mm -hmm. blow. I think with Tyrese Hunter, they would have been, frankly, borderline top 25. Uh, Without him, uh, they're still going to be in that sort of like 11, you know, 10 to 12 seed range if they get into the tournament. Uh, Gabe Kalsher, I want to see take a big step up. I thought he was frankly terrible offensively Mm -hmm. last year, and that was not the case when he was at Minnesota. He was a much better shooter. And to be fair, out of nowhere, he did become a, he he made a couple of big threes in that tournament run. But uh, I want to see him take a step up. Jaron Holmes, who uh, transfers in from St. Bonaventure, uh, very good player there. It's a step up in competition, but you would like to see him take on a good role as well. I think they make the tournament again, but it's going to be, you know, it's, I would like to give him more than these two years to see what he's made of. Because last year was just such a unique situation where basically the entire roster was overturned mm-hmm. that it's it's hard to repeat that exact formula again. But I want to see, you know, can you at least make it back to the tournament for a second season? And if he can, I think that's really successful. Build the statue. Yeah. Um, I got some breaking news for you. Mm-hmm. Are you sitting down? I'm always sitting down. You are a sitting down guy. You look like you have a comfortable chair. That chair looks pretty comfortable. Thank you. It's uh, one I stole from an old boss. Okay, there you go. Old boss. Well, he, he moved away. There. So, <laughs> um, Malachi Smith just committed to transfer to Gonzaga. Okay. Interesting. Chattanooga kid. He chose Gonzaga. Quote: I chose Gonzaga because of the family feel and winning culture. He averaged nineteen six and three for uh, chattanooga last year man that is quite the haul <laughs> they man. are early uh, you're re- you're we're getting we don't get these very often in the pod your immediate reaction to malachi smith joining gonzaga based on what we just talked about at the top of the program uh i think that i would like to remove my statement that it's going to be either them or unc at number one i think it should just be plainly you uh, gonzaga number one okay I think that's like an easy call. Whether Malachi Smith translates to that level of basketball, I don't quite know yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's a really freaking good player. And that was not quite what I was expecting. Yeah, that's uh, Gonzaga. They load up, man. So they're they're in good shape. Every year, I feel like... So they have these, you know, quote-unquote embarrassing March results. By mm-hmm. the way, call me when you have a truly embarrassing March result, mm-hmm. uh, Gonzaga. I have no what an embarrassing March result feels like. Mm. Um, And it feels like, I don't know, there are going to be some nerds out there who get this reference. Uh, In uh, Akira, the anime, or Akira, I don't remember how it's pronounced, when uh, they, you know, they'll, spoiler, they initially kill the uh, villain (laughs) of sorts, and Uh he just comes back stronger and better every single time, and by the end of the movie, he's this gigantic piece of mechanical equipment basically Uh that's what i feel like gonzaga is it's like you kill them off every year everybody celebrates and it's like oh they just got the guy from utc who almost single-handedly took them to the round of 32 yeah and he might be like their fifth best player not wild (laughs) that's just like what do you do i mean they're gonna be reloaded yet again do you know what's interesting too that i've noticed yet again the culture and i think the narrative surrounding like the kids like malachi just being this great story for utc last year and then it's like he joins the enemy and he just gets the promotion basically to the big leagues in gonzaga like in college 
we hate that. Like the Jordan Addison stuff from Pitt to USC, it rubbed everybody the wrong way. But in college basketball, it feels like we're all like, we get it. Like you move up and now you can go win a championship, win a title. And it doesn't really hit the same way. Like, and of course it doesn't always happen. Like Yuri Collins stayed and you never know. It's not like everyone leaves the smaller school for the bigger program, but it is interesting that it seems far less of a, uh, of an issue. And I wonder if it's just because with the one and done rule and with just the way college rosters have been built year over year, is it's like expected that you throw the rosters out year over year that everything I think we're changes just used to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and college football fans aren't. Yeah. College football. It's a, it just feels different and it is mm-hmm. kind of funny cause it's, you know, theoretically 85 players versus 12 mm-hmm. is scholarship at least, but it's just, I don't know. Whenever, whenever like Tyrese Hunter transfers from Iowa State to Texas, is that mm. kind of weird that he transferred within the conference? Sure, but am I like alarmed by it? Am I thinking this is the worst thing to happen to college basketball uh, since I don't know since they were talking about the '96 team tournament? Mm-hmm. No, not really. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I think I'm going to go about my life just okay. So, yeah, I guess it's just like we're just used to it, right? Yeah, because because this has one and done model i mean it started 15 years ago but i feel like the turnover of rosters really became you know in vogue with cal's kentucky teams and we've seen that happen for 12 years now so it's just sort of an afterthought uh jalen williams though he stays in the nba draft so arkansas loses jalen williams do they still feel like a top five team going into next year to you no okay i i think that they're somewhere between 11 to 15 and I'm trying to be really nice um, mm. towards Mr. Williams. I hope he has a great career in the NBA. And I hope that somebody teaches him that every time you fall down, it's not a charge. Oh. And uh, that uh, every time you get in the way of somebody who's flying at 4.5 seconds per 40 yards, it's not a charge. Mm. So uh, maybe learn how to play defense. Wow. Uh, no, he's actually a really good defender. Wow. And he's probably, he is honestly, since like probably peak Duke, like mm. Shire Reddick years, the greatest charge taker college basketball has seen in a decade. Mm. He's just really, t- I mean, he kept getting him because he was really talented at it. So is am I sad kid? to see that I go? not mocks yet, really, outside of like the top couple guys. Is he a, is he a lottery guy or no? No. But okay. he'll, I mean, he'll get drafted, of course. Yeah. But mm. no, I, I think Arkansas... It looks more uncertain to me now than it did, you know, a month ago. I think I was kind of on board with them being like six through ten because I thought Williams was coming back. I figured Note like you can't really increase that stock much. Mm. Um, but Williams, I kind of I understand. I think he will get picked. Like uh, I haven't seen like a mock draft lately to understand exactly where his range is, but I'd be hard pressed to think he'd get like past fortieth or whatever. In my hmm. opinion, is like if you're top forty, you should go. Um, but uh, I think that it's kind of the same, not the exact same question I had with Memphis prior to mm-hmm. last season, but a similar one. I'm still trying to figure out where the shooting comes from because the guys who return or at least have college resumes, the best shooter on that roster is uh, Ricky Council from <laughs> Wichita State, who is a 33% career three-point shooter and shot 25% from three this past season. Mm-hmm. That's either him or Devontae Davis, who is a career 25% three-point shooter. And I know Nick Smith, the five-star freshman and potential top five pick next year, is supposed to be a really good shooter. That's great. But 
And scouting report says he's streaky. He on the right night he could go six for eight. On the wrong night he could go one for eight. Hmm. So you're kind of reliant on that. And then Anthony Black, the other star freshman, is your best shooters because Jordan Walsh is not a good shooter at all right now. And Darian Ford, who is a lower end but still really good uh, recruit, not expected to play as much. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of going to be for. Th- I, I need to see more than what I feel like is an advanced version of the last two teams, where they're fantastic defensively, really hard to crack, really hard to score on. But you have nights where it's like, why does this team with this much talent score 62 points against Vanderbilt or something like that? Because they just can't shoot. And so I got to see that improve before I'm rosier on their future. And also just the SEC is just going to be a bloodbath next year. It's, it's going to be a really good conference yet again. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're, we're staring down. What feels like I think like the a... elite are still the elite. And I think the worst of the worst are going to be a little bit better. So I yeah. think the floor is going to be raised a little bit. And I mean, as of right now, I think it's a pretty safe bet that the SEC opens with four teams in the AP top 20, possibly yeah. five. I mean, you could have six in the top 25. That's a really good conference. That's Big 12 mm-hmm. level. That's big. I mean, you know, silly enough, Big 10 level. Though I think the Big 10 is going to be down as a whole. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be in the running for best conference in college basketball, at least at the top. Obviously, if uh, Georgia or South Carolina wants to cooperate and shore up the back end of the deal, then uh, they really I could mean, be number Mizzou, one. Mizzou, we laugh at Mizzou, but like Dennis Gates was like a, one of the hotter commodities for years. Yeah. And people tried to pull him from Cleveland State for a long time, it seems like. And then he finally takes a different job. He's, he kept staying. And then he takes the Mizzou job after Kwanzaa's fired. Um which was a weird situation in and of itself because of his relationship with the AD and them being friends and going back a long way. Like that was a a weird situation, but I mean, they should be better. Like Dennis Gates is a good coach. And then Mike White, like regardless of what you think about what he'll be at Georgia, I think the floor is raised where they're not going to be what they were. So if the floor is raised there, if Mizzou is not as bad next year, if LSU with McMahon hits the ground running with their all new transfer group, like they're a wild card. I think um, Ole Miss will be a little bit better next year. I don't think they'll have the season from hell. I mean, Mississippi State, I would still put it in the low of low tiers. But I don't know. I feel like as a whole, this conference is going to be pretty deep. And then when you throw in Texas and Oklahoma in a couple of years, man, it, yeah. it like this is a deep, deep conference. They're going to be really good again, yeah. Speaking of Tennessee, do we have any Tennessee notes? Cape Phillips was on. Uh, he he joins the program last week. Do we have any new Tennessee notes? The only new one I've seen is uh, Tennessee added Maryland to the schedule, which is pretty interesting. So they're going to mm. play a neutral in uh, Brooklyn. Um, famous uh, happy place for Tennessee fans, New York City. Yeah. Famous place of great college basketball played uh, with what I was told was a ball that was as hard as a rock. Mm. Um, but no, I think playing Maryland is uh, is an interesting thing new coach right mm. you know regionally appropriate game it's going to be part of a quadruple header on a sunday so i don't know how that's going to work itself out exactly but uh i don't think maryland is in say tournament quality this year but anytime you can play what will be like a top 50 to top 60 ish big 10 team at a neutral site that's like a, at worst a quadrant two opportunity right so decent game to add to the schedule I'm still waiting to see, you know, 
can Tennessee get a signature home game added though? I would like to mm, like the Arizona game last year. Like the Arizona game. And to I mean, to be fair to Tennessee, I don't think anybody thought Arizona was gonna be that good. Um I think that the plan was kind of like Arizona's gonna be thirty to forty somewhere in there and they became way better. Well, it also but, just I helps mean, with Cruton because, you know, I yeah. think Nico was there for that um, in yeah. that one. And you, it's just that big atmosphere. It's an, it's an opportunity for uh, maybe Cade was there, too, if I remember him talking about that correctly. It's just you want those big non-conference games at your arena because it gets it's an opportunity to bring in a lot of big time players and show off the program in a different way. And uh, I mean, also, to be fair to Tennessee, they will get the big 12 challenge game at home this year. So hmm. that'll be a signature game. It's pro- I would assume like. It could be Texas, could be Texas Tech, one of those two. But I mean, Kansas by fifty again. Yeah, well, but it would be nice. Honestly, it would be nice to bring in Virginia or hmm. you know somebody like that, like a Virginia, or maybe bring in Xavier. You don't have to bring in like Gonzaga if you don't want to. Yeah, but bring in a name everybody knows that is generally good year over year, and use that as like a decent hype event. You know, hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to be. You don't have to schedule UNC at home. Would that be pretty cool? Obviously. But do you have to do that? No. Yeah. But I I would like for Tennessee to add that one extra really good home game to kind of give you a fun home one to attend in November, December prior to SEC play starting. I like it. Um, Season review. Our Kim Palm series weekly here on the Chase Most Podcast. We got LSU this week. And what a weird year. Um, Will Wade is now gone. Oak Ridge's own Mr. McMahon is coaching, moving on from Murray State for this job. The entire roster departed, either by graduating out or hitting the portal. What, uh, what do you make of last year's LSU Tigers and what's to come? I thought they were the most normal team in America. I mean, they... They entered the Ken Palm Top 20 on November 27th and did not exit until the end of the season. There's nothing that went wrong there at all. Yeah. Um, they were a very weird team where the first uh, four years of Will Wade, I just want to read these numbers off offensively. Mm-hmm. So this is 18 to 21, so start to finish. 33rd, 12th, 4th, 5th. Defense, mm. 136th, 59th, 179th, 124th. And so naturally you thought more of the same. Mm-hmm. Last year, they were 89th in offense and 6th in defense out of completely nowhere. They started forcing a massive amount of turnovers. The length was really hard to deal with, I thought. They had a weird deal to me where I guess Efton Reed would be considered the true center. Mm-hmm. But he got in foul trouble so often it didn't feel like they had a true center. They kept running Darius Days, the six mm-hmm. foot seven bowling pin out at center. Tari Eason was the power forward, and you'd get these lineups where it's like, you know, Xavier Pinson was at point, but you would have like six five, six five, six eight, mm-hmm. six seven from two to five, and they were so easy to switch that it was like they kind of stumbled into their own cheat code. Whereas like they they could switch so well on three pointers, it was hard to get off quality looks. Tennessee kind of experienced that both home and away, I thought, with them. They they couldn't really get quality looks off against LSU like they were against, you know, Auburn or similar. Mm-hmm. And you know, credit to Will Wade, he did design a much better defensive system that didn't require them to press as much. They forced a lot of steals. They did commit a lot of fouls, but it's kind of, you know, par for the course with hyper-aggressive defenses. It, he fixed that side of the ball, but they just could not score reliably. It was Tari Eason was, you know, easily their best player, mm-hmm. probably one of the best in all of college basketball last year, and he didn't start. 
He started hmm. four games. Uh, when your best offensive player and really your only consistent source of scoring is a guy that plays 23 minutes a night, not really a good sign for you. Um, the And it just was the rest of it kind of trickled down from there. Xavier Pinson was a much hyped, quote, acquisition of sorts from Missouri. He just was Xavier Pinson. Like, mm. I, I kind of hate to be mean, but I feel like he got really overvalued off the strength of scoring 30 on that Tennessee team. I was going to say, I thought you were going to mention that because he killed Tennessee in that uh, COVID year. Uh, and then did basically nothing the rest yeah. of the season. And it was more like, it was more or less that at LSU last year. He did get injured. So I have yeah. you know, like, there's some sympathy there for sure, but it was the same thing. He scored 26 at Kentucky in a close road loss. That was a great game. And the rest of the season, his scoring high was 17. He scored four against Arkansas in the SEC tournament and then two against Iowa State. That's just did he who wind he up is, anywhere else? Huh? Where did he wind up? New Mexico State, which uh, I hate to be rude, but I feel like is probably his most appropriate level for mm-hmm. what it is he does. Hyper-aggressive, you know, shoot-at-all-costs ball handler. Honestly, um, are we sure we wouldn't have wanted him as a backup guard in Knoxville for one final no. year? No? You don't no. want that? I'm good. We don't want a J.R. Smith? Do you, you know the quote? Who is it that came up with a quote about Patrick Beverly is just tricking y'all? He's just out there getting cardio? No, I don't know. Uh, that's how I felt about Xavier Pinson on some nights. He's just hmm. out there tricking you guys. Wow. Um, but no, I, LSU was weird because they they entered the NCAA tournament as like a really valuable team if they could mm. just get it together. Remember but they entered they it played. without Wade. It was such a weird time to fire him. Yeah. But remember who they played. It was Iowa State, who mm-hmm. literally just got done scoring 36 points in a full-length basketball game. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin, one of the worst three seeds of all time, and a 14 seed. If they had just held it together, and mm-hmm. I mean, they kind of came close despite Tyrese Hunter having an unbelievable game. If they just held it together, that could have been Sweet 16 LSU immediately after firing their head coach. And then do they keep Nickelberry as full-time head coach after he makes a surprise, heartwarming, you know, round up everybody run to the Sweet 16? Do they still go for Matt McMahon? There's a lot of ifs that could have happened there. But on the whole, there's a relatively easy story to tell other than the head coach getting canned. It was a terrible offensive team held afloat by an amazing defense. Mm. Which is why... Shockingly, them playing Iowa State was so perfect. Two absolute sicko teams uh, sickoing it out for 40 minutes. There you go. Uh, We'll end on this because you had a run, Will. Uh, Your stat of the week. Do you have anything for us tonight? Um, Well, that a marathon is 26.2 miles. When is that? When are you doing it? December 3rd. My honest stat of the week here is that, um, I mean... I just can't get over the Gonzaga thing because now with them mm. adding, so Gonzaga's number one in uh, mm. Mark Torvik's projections. Baylor's number two. And Gonzaga's number one by quite a bit. But I want mm. you to guess who number three is without going to the site. Houston? No. It's an SEC team. Kentucky? It's not Kentucky. Arkansas? It's not Arkansas. What? It's Tennessee. No way. Is it really? Yes, it really is. I th- huh. And this is more, I think, frankly, because Tennessee's projected to be top three in defense again, which is yeah. fair. But um, the return of Triple J and Vescovy, it's got the projection systems pretty optimistic on the balls. So 
people forget it's an everything school up here in Rocky Top. Well, and people forget that you know, yes, round of thirty-two. Who cares? Uh, they're the seventh best team in the sport last season. What are we on this podcast, Will? Number one. Process over <laughs> results. The process Precisely. was great last year in Knoxville. So uh, you got to let the chips fall where they may. Everyone gets uh, uh, ousted by Hunter Dickinson at one point or another. It's just a rite of passage come March. Yeah, everyone. Well, I don't think I can say the phrase on this podcast, so I'll leave it at that. Will Warren, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me. All right, y'all, that'll do it for the Friday, June 3rd, 2022 edition here on the Chase Mills Podcast. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed uh, this jam-packed uh, episode here on the Chase Mills Podcast and enjoyed uh, Stats by Will, Mr. Will Warren, coming on here uh, to wrap things up on this uh, this beautiful Friday here in East Tennessee. But uh, wherever you are, hope you enjoyed it. Um, and yeah. If you enjoyed it, make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That is how you tuned in today. It helps the show continue to grow and helps other people find the show. So please, please, please make sure you take care of that today for me. Um, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com. Type in that Chase Moms Podcast. You can find all of our stuff there. Like and subscribe to our videos. That helps a lot as well. Read me at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. And uh, yeah, all kinds of ways to... Be involved with the show. Uh, email us at chasemuspodcast at gmail.com. Check us out and all the other big-time shows all across the Blue Wire Pod Network. All kinds of great stuff going on uh, here at Blue Wire. So excited. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of a lot of big stuff coming this summer here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. So I'm very, very excited about where we're going and what lies ahead on this front. So uh, stay tuned, but stay with me. And thanks for uh, making the Chase Almost Podcast part of your Friday listening routine. I greatly appreciate it and hope you guys enjoy all the different content and all the different shows and guests and all the good stuff that pop in every single day here on the Chase Almost Podcast at bluewirepods.com. So thank you uh, for your support and your continued support uh, this very program and uh, new episode jam-packed, another three-hour program tomorrow. So look out for that. Uh, the content does not stop here on the Chase Homes Podcast. So tell a friend, coworker, whoever about the show and why you like it and all that good stuff. So more coming this weekend, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have yourself a great Friday. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.